Hello everyone and thank you for coming back to yet another episode of The Gloving Paradigm. I am your host Peter aka LPD8 Dubuque and this week is going to be a very fun week for me because I am finally releasing my next chipset for my chip analysis archive review. I asked around around the community for what type of chipset I should actually review next and with a resounding sound from the community the futuristic light ions were the ones that everybody really 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 wanted me to do so this is that episode I'm finally doing it after studying these for over a month and testing them and working with them and just tinkering and trying to figure out so many different things with them I kind of settled with what I have learned from it and I feel like I've gathered enough information to actually give my review on these lights and I will just say right off the bat I didn't really go into looking at these lights with a whole lot of expectations uh, the main reason is this was technically the first time I've ever bought a futuristic lights product so if I'm buying somebody's product I've never bought before my expectations are gonna be down to zero and the only reason why I do that is just because I don't want to go into looking at something with like a predisposed opinion on a product or whether it, even if it's like extension to an accompany like image or anything like that. Now I just I have zero expectations when it comes to new products and it's just because why should I have some level of expectation when I literally just never really looked into the products in the first place. So with that being said I was actually kind of taken aback when I looked into these lights and what these lights offer is well very well deserved to be synonymous in the community and why these are so so highly recommended by the community so let's just go right into this i know i got a lot of stuff to cover this is gonna be a rather long episode because of how much stuff i actually have to get into and talk about when it comes to the ions and all that stuff just because I also have to explain how I did some of my testing so you guys can understand if you want to test this stuff yourself you can and you can see how my methods are in terms of testing these lights and things like that I will say this right now no I did not try to test the, the battery life I actually had a wonderful conversation with the CEO of futuristic lights about his products Specifically on the ions just because that's those were the lights I was doing my review and study on uh, He actually gave me a whole lot of information that a lot of people probably don't really know about and I want to explain that to you guys so You guys actually have a very strong strong understanding about these these lights and actually if you've never played with these before and you're listening to this review and you want to buy them this review is going to help you understand certain features and certain things that you might not actually take into consideration okay so first things first let's just go ahead and bust out these lights and talk about the overview about what these lights are capable of right so the custom features you know you have eight set modes now what I mean by eight set modes is that you have eight modes that are set on their flashing patterns they're pretty much you know as people refer to as mode locked Okay, so just want to let you guys know that right now that set when I say set modes, that's when it's a mode lock type light. All right. It also comes with a eight color slots that you can use. You also have the true brightness control, which I will certainly tell you that I thought tint control and true brightness control were basically the same thing. 
they kind of are however it's the method that they go about that's different and i will get into that in a little bit because i thought they were exactly the same but it was explained to me how they are different so you also have the three tiered true brightness control you have the e-lock you have 38 colors to choose from if you actually do the math by taking one away from 38 which is 37 and then times that by three and then add the one to it after that you get 112 when you add the true brightness control into the color selection so technically you have 112 to choose from but in, in retrospect you actually just have like 38 but the true brightness control with the variation of brightnesses kind of adds that level of just color variation so you kind of technically have 112 just want to kind of point that out there of course you have the e-lock and you also have the master reset that's just kind of a standard thing but here are the things that really kind of push the ion into a different frontier basically one you have the randomizer then you also have chip to chip communication you also have the demo loop and the demo view which the demo loop is something i <laughs> i was actually kind of taken aback by because i didn't realize that was actually a thing and i know certain light products in the past had a demo loop but they didn't have it where it is on these if that makes any sense and of course demo view now i will certainly tell you my personal favorite thing about these the features that the ions have is the demo view the demo view is probably one of my personal favorite things to ever exist on a light and i really really hope that more companies pick up on this because especially when it comes to programmers because it is probably the one thing that i felt like was really needed for the community but i'm kind of digressing here so let me get right back into the things okay so we're gonna i'm not gonna go into the whole basic operations of how to use these lights like i i i'm going to go on the predication that my audience isn't smart enough to you know look at the lights and kind of figure out its basic functions you know i i don't really think i need to repeat myself on basic functions on each light after i just did my first one with the chroma controls so i think i'm going to just skip that part I, I feel like that's kind of common knowledge now what i do want to focus on in terms of the programming are the specific features that the ions have that people need to understand so the first one i want to talk about is the randomizer now the people who don't know what the randomizer is the randomizer is this lovely little feature that allows you to pretty much randomly select a bunch of colors in terms of their placement in the color slot selection not only that where blanks are placed and also your true brightness control settings are also being manipulated in this setup so with that being said some people might see oh okay it just randomly generates things it does however it was been explained to me that it uses a certain algorithm so you don't the odds of you getting a repeat color setup combination through the randomizer is so astronomically minimal that you literally have to go through almost every other flashing pattern configuration of color selections with the randomizer in order to get there so you know the odds of you actually making a repeat of that is very slim and I'm okay with that because, you know, uh, that's, I can see where a lot of, a lot of Glovers might find that a little bit of a turnoff if it actually can do that very frequently, if it just makes a very similar color set over and over again. Uh, so using this set algorithm to actually kind of avoid that is something that I find very, very important and it's very, very huge, especially when it comes to the gloving community. Okay. So, you know, you, you choose whatever mode 
So, you know, you got one through eight. So let's just say you wanted to randomize mode number three. So you go ahead and you do that. Now you go to no, mode three, you, you have the light on, you hold it until it turns off and you keep holding on to it until you see the white light click on and then you're gonna let go and it's going to pretty much kind of sit in the state where it's kind of blinking and then you're just gonna click and it's going to generate something. Once it generates, you're just gonna move it around to kind of see what the flashing pattern looks like. If it's something that you don't like, you're just gonna keep clicking to whatever, which one you want. And once you find something that you like for that from the randomizer, then you just hold it until the white flashes again. Boom, there you go. You know, very, very, very simple. Uh, one of the major things that I actually like about the randomizer, especially if we consider this to be a newcomer style glove set, you know what I mean? Uh, the randomizer kind of cuts out the whole idea that, you know, which could be very daunting to a lot of new glovers. I, I can certainly say when I've, <laughs> when I've talked about my programming stuff to a lot of newcomers, they were a little kind of taken aback and a little daunted by the amount of work that you went into it. So, you know, not everybody is like me who can actually sit there and actually like plot out like how they want their glove sets to look like and all that stuff. And I totally get it. You know, some people just don't want, don't have the time or even want to invest the time in doing that. So the randomizer is the best feature to kind of cut that part out where you just let the chip do it for you. And that's awesome. Okay. So you have the randomizer. Now we're also going to talk about chip to chip communication. Now I will certainly tell you that a lot of people said that this is a very simple thing. Yes. Chip to chip communication is an extremely simple thing. I've actually used this technology very similarly in the military so I know how it works very well and it's very simple for me to understand I know some people don't really understand it a whole lot but I will try to explain it to you the best that I can that way you guys can understand what chip-to-chip -chip communication is capable of doing okay so when it comes to chip-to-chip -to -chip communication the first thing that I thought was not written in the pamphlet but it is so Zohar if you are listening to this episode it is in your pamphlets do not worry I made the mistake and didn't read all the way through, so that was my bad. You're allowed to throw a book at me if you want to. I'm totally okay with it. So, <laughs> just wanted to put that out there. So, here's the thing about chip-to-chip -chip communication. Okay, first things first. When it comes to the chip receiving information, it takes a lot of energy. So, there is a timer on the chip-to-chip -chip communication feature. So to activate the receiving portion of your chip to chip communication, you just simply turn on the light and then turn it back off. You have a two minute window to transfer whatever information from one light into that light, okay? Because it takes so much energy just so it can actually receive and process the data coming from the other lights that it can drain your batteries really, really fast. Therefore, they put a timer on it to conserve the energy, okay? So I just definitely wanted to stress that to you guys. Please understand that I know a lot of people think that receiving information shouldn't actually take a lot of energy. No, it takes more energy to receive information than it is to transmit the information. Just speaking from my own experience of being in the Signal Corps in the Army, you know, it does take way more energy to receive because you're not only you're trying to collect the data, but you're also trying to process it. And if it's encrypted in any way, it's going to take even more power just to decrypt it and process it even faster, you know. So please understand when it comes to signal, especially in the receiving part, it takes lots of energy because you have to just gather all that data because, you know, it's I'm not saying that with these lights, they kind of shoot it out like a radio wave. 
But just from my experience, when it comes to radio waves or any satellite signalings or anything like that, it takes a lot of energy to collect that data from the air. Okay, so please keep that in mind. If you are somebody who just decided they wanted to reprogram their ions and you only take one of your ions and start programming it and then try to point it at your other lights, it's not going to work because the receiving portion is turned off. You have to turn on your lights and then turn them right back off to turn on the receiving information part of your lights. Okay, so I hope that was pretty much all I need to explain to you. I will say this, that if you aren't really sure where the sensor is, the sensor is up on the top near where the button is. Uh, you don't really have to like point right into it or be on top of your light. You can actually hover right above it. I just want to let you guys know that the sensor is up where the button is. It's not where the, it's not on the button, but it's near the button. So just keep that in mind. Okay. Now here's one of the things I'm very, very excited about when it comes to the ions and demo view is amazing. It is probably one of the best features any intro light can ever have, especially if you're t considering this as an introductory light set. Okay. So how demo view works is when you're actually doing your manual color programming, let's just say, I wanted to make an eight color set. So, you know, I just choose eight random colors. I start choosing my first one. So I choose my first one and I'll see the light have that selected color. I'm like, all right, cool. Then I'll go to my second color. Then what you're going to start seeing after each selection of your colors, the light is going to preview your selections right there, including your blank, your blank placements, your, your true brightness control settings, all that stuff. Okay. Now, after each time you select, it's going to preview. That's what they call demo view. This is huge. I find this to be one of the most important things in, in the lights above all, because just from my experience of being in this, you know, in this art form for nearly 10 years now, the one thing that always aggravated me when it came to programmers is that I never really got a good preview of what I was programming. Now, I know when it came to like Amazing Lights products, like you would, you choose your colors and it'll flash your colors, but it wasn't really demoing what you were creating. And that's what I love about demo view is because it literally, not only does it show you your color selections after each color choice, but it's also showing you within the flashing pattern that you're programming as well. That is huge. That is so huge. That is probably one of the biggest features I will always ask for out of any lights is just have that kind of demo view set up because you know, I'm that type of person who, you know, has an idea of a glove set and, you know, with a combination of colors and flashing patterns that I think would look really, really cool. But it turns out that it just didn't really work out in my head. You know, it looked cool in my head, but it didn't really come out, you know, out of practice. And that's, that's a big problem, you know. So demo view is probably one of my personal favorite features on the ions. I hope that they continue putting this on all their other products because it's just probably is so huge is so important to me and i think it's really important to a lot of newcomers who are actually trying out manual color programming if they actually wanted to try out doing manual color programming this is something huge because if they're seeing something that they thought was working is not actually turning out the way that they want they can bail out on it and fix it and change it into any way they want that, like that's that's awesome you know okay and of course finally i definitely want to talk about the demo loop so when it comes to the demo loop, when you first turn on your light, the demo loop is going to be activated. Okay. So it's going to start on the first mode, which is just regular strobe and every 12 second intervals, it's going to change to the next mode automatically for you. 
Now, what this actually offers in terms of newcomers is just an easier way for you to kind of dip your toe into your lights changing without you actually having to do all the manual work. Now, I know some people might say that might be cheating or might make you a little bit lazy. I don't think so. The way I look at it when it comes to demo loop is depending on how you actually turn on your lights. If you try to turn them on all at the same time, yeah, it's cool because then all your lights are going to just change at the same time. And I can certainly tell you that through my practicing of actually getting all the lights to lay flat and then putting a flat surface on top of them all and clicking them all at the same time just to see how consistent they can actually stay with each other they actually stay rather consistent with each other now you'll you'll have things you know the natural things coming out of sync will happen i will certainly tell you from my experience with the ions i didn't really see that starting to happen until after the second time it looped around all eight loops you know that's that's how it was and so the consistency of this demo loop when it comes to when you turn on all your lights at the same time was really really huge and i was very impressed by that okay and the main reason is because uh when a lot of the earlier chipsets especially when it came to like bulb sets like uh the best example i can think of off the top of my head right now is the liquid emotions drops twos uh their eight their eighth mode was a loop mode it was just a demo loop it just went through the loops every I think it was like every eight seconds or so, but the the, synchro the synchronization between all the lights was so heavily bad. Like I, I can tell you from my own my own experience, I actually managed to turn all of them on at the same time, and they all changed at the same time once, and then all of a sudden they just got out of sync like super fast. It was it was pretty crazy. So seeing that the ions can actually stay rather consistent with each other and change consistently at the same time with each other, that's huge. Okay. All right, <laughs> I think I kind of cover all the big special features on that, except I do want to kind of explain the true brightness control. Okay, so everybody knows that Amazing Lights came out with this idea and they called it tint control. Okay, and then Futuristic Lights has true brightness control. Some people might say, okay, there's no difference. There is actually a huge difference. So when it comes to actually programming how the light pattern is going to look if you look at tint control on an amazing product and you go to the low setting you notice that there's this dotting effect happening what's actually happening is they're actually changing the size of the strobe of the light now i know that's going to be kind of a little confusing but kind of just kind of follow along here so when you go into low setting you see that dotting effect it's actually how they programmed the light to actually function okay so when you have it on a low tint on an amazing lights product and you get that little dotting effect it's actually just how the light just quickly spurts the the light itself okay and then when you go up higher it kind of stretches them out and it makes it a little bit more solid when it comes to true brightness control though it actually modifies the luminosity of the light itself so you don't actually get that whole dotting effect like you do with tint control so that's something i i didn't know and when it was explained to me by Zohar, I, again, thank you so much for giving me the proper information. I wanted to be as accurate as possible. You know, he explained to me that's how it's different. Okay. So if you're sitting there thinking that they're the same thing, they're not the same thing. I, I stand corrected and I'm happy that somebody corrected me on that because I really did not want to sit here and say that they're the same thing when they really aren't. Okay. Especially when it's been explained to me. So. That being said, got that out of the way, we can actually move into just the quick engineering features just so you guys know 
like some of the physical stuff in there that I know a lot of people don't really pay much attention to. However, I find it extremely important to pay attention to this stuff. So I'm just gonna breeze right through it real here real quick. So if you actually take the light out of the casing, which is just a silicone rubber casing, super easy to pull in and pull out. It's just perfectly going, uh, perfectly the way it is. Okay, so you have the battery arm with the reinforcement plate. Now, when you actually look at it, you kind of get this little trapezoid with the arm sticking out. Now, this is uh, futuristic light said that they were the first one to actually do it in this setup, and I can totally understand why because it actually makes it a lot easier to pull in and out. I'm not saying that how Amazing Lights had their light, their battery arm configure is bad. It's actually just fine. It's just as good. You know, I never really had an issue getting my batteries in and out of there. Uh, and I don't have any issues getting batteries in and out of an ions either. So, you know, it, to me, when it comes to the battery arms thing, it really just kind of depends on the manufacturer's personal preference. However, I will point this out because I was looking at it and was trying to figure it out for like the longest time and it wasn't until Zohar actually pointed it out to me that it was actually on purpose for a feature. So when you actually look at the battery arm when you pull the battery or pull the light chip out, you'll notice the whole little trapezoid thing. Well when you look even further you'll actually see that plate on the very top actually bent down and go straight underneath the light. When I was looking at it I was like what on earth is this here for? Like I was kind of confused. As to why it was there it has been explained to me that that little plate that's underneath the light that's on the battery arm that you know kind of looks like extra just extra material sitting there it was actually purposely made into the feature to reinforce the light to help prevent it from being bent down so easily um, I can certainly tell you that I've looked at my chroma controls and now granted I've had these chroma controls for like years like <laughs> this is after years of you know of use and abuse that I noticed that some of my light bulbs are actually bending downwards. I have not tried bending them back because I am terrified of breaking them. I'm just, you know, I'm just letting them be what, where they are and just let them be happy like that. That was actually something very interesting to me to know that the comp a company will actually kind of built in extra reinforcement features in parts of other parts of their their products. So like with the battery arm, having that extra plate, keeping that battery, you know, keeping light up in the spot where it needs to be. That was crazy. I was literally trying to figure that out for like three days why it was sitting there. And it wasn't until I actually had that conversation with Zohar that he actually explained to me why they did that because it's just, it, it's built in to the light itself. And so it kind of keeps itself contained kind of deal. And that's great. Okay. And of course we use 1225 batteries. So it's like, you know, 1225 batteries are really, really small. They're nano size. I will certainly say that these, you know, thus making it, making these lights smaller than my, the width of my finger, which is pretty huge. You know, I, I was very used to having, you know, like 1620s being the size that I'm always using or something like that. And so, yeah, that's, it's pretty, pretty huge to be on a nano size. And of course, one of the big things I definitely want to talk about is that they use a frosted bulb. I am a huge proprietor of the frosted bulb. I know a lot of people might say I'm crazy, but you have to understand when it comes to the three diode system, the, 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 the fusion needs to happen properly with those diodes because that's how additive color theory works. You need to have that medium to blend it all together. Okay. I, you know, some people like clear bulbs. That's totally fine. I am a frosted bulb person myself. I never understood why we really moved away from it. Except for that, yeah, clear bulbs make it even brighter, type deal. So, 
you know I'm sure there is a way to still have the same brightness as a clear bulb on a frosted bulb you know I haven't figured it out yet but we're probably going to get there so they're all that's all the basic stuff all right so here are the points of quality that I want to get into now if you guys actually remember from my previous archetype or archive review excuse me <clears throat> you know we have things like color flashing patterns color blending you know and that also kind of counts into <clears throat> uh, true brightness control of course you know we also have brightness you have battery life and mobility ease of use accuracy size things of that nature you know those those are my points of quality that I always look at okay so first one is color all right here's the thing about the ions uh, having 38 colors is huge uh, I, I can't even think I don't even think Amazing Lights had ever gotten to that high. If I actually remember, the highs they went was 36 on the chromas. That's pretty much how it is. And I'm not saying that, you know, we need more. Like, I, I honestly think any more than 40 colors to choose from, I think that's the max that we actually should have. Now, I know some people might say that I'm crazy. And I know that when you talk about, like, the Spectras and the app, that you actually get even more colors. But I kind of, I'm not, I'm not counting that in this. That's, that's just going too far out. Especially when you're actually considering, if you're trying to compare, like, the Spectras to the Ions, I, I really, that's, <laughs> you can't really do that. That's like comparing, you know, a handgun to a freaking nuclear missile. Like, that's just, don't, you don't do that. You know, this, this. This is on the same scale and the same level as the Chroma controls. So if you're going to do a comparison in terms of cross products or cross brands, you gotta keep it within the same scale. Like just saying that, you know, trying to compare the Spectres to the Ions is just, to me, that's just ridiculous. If you're gonna do that, you're gonna to have to do that with the Atoms, all right? So when it comes to the colors, you have 38 colors to choose from. Of course, like I said, if you had the True Brightness control into it, you come up to 112, so that is huge. The, if, I don't remember the exact number, but I know over 44 trillion combinations with this color palette setup is possible, and that's including, you know, all the mode, you know, all the the setups of from one color to to eight colors, you know, you know, over 44 trillion different combinations, and that's not even including the true brightness control on top of that. So if you add it on top of that, you're talking about this huge astronomical number that I don't even think. I think we're at that point in our technology. I don't think we actually need to kind of equate the 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 amount of combinations you can make because it's just so astronomically high that I don't really see it no longer being a necessity anymore for us to actually talk about. You know, uh, especially like things like how the Spectras are able to use a, a you know a third-party device app to you know create and all that stuff with the flashing patterns and all the colors and all that stuff. So. Just keeping that in mind that when you do kind of comparisons and things like that, you want to try to keep them within the same power scale of each other. Okay, so with color, it's extremely vibrant and it's very, very consistent when you also look into true brightness control. Uh, that was probably one of the big things that I always want to make sure is that if, you know, if either tint control when it comes to amazing lights or true brightness control, like when it comes to futuristic lights, definitely want to make sure to see if the color stays consistent. Now there are certain colors that I always want to double check and make sure that they stay consistent. You know, one of them being purple. Purple is a really big color for a lot of people and you know, so I always want to make sure that that actually stays consistent. Purple did stay very consistent. Uh, certain other variations of purple that they have kind of went a little bit more red on me. 
But that's something that's very, very slight, and I don't think a lot of people are going to know this as opposed to like me, who's actually like looking for that kind of stuff, you know? Now, when it comes to the colors, you have a very wide palette. Again, 38 colors. One of the things about the, these, this color palette though, that I'm very, very happy to see, is that there's like five different versions of purple to choose from. You know, you have like true violet, uh, actual purple, you know, magenta, or I don't even have to remember all the names because there's just so many different names that they have on this light in terms of their colors that I just know that there's at least five different versions of a purple on there and that's huge. Now I'm not saying Amazing Lights doesn't do that. I'm you know, if you're talking about the Spectres, I'm not counting it. I'm talking like with the Chroma controls and things like that. You only had purple and lavender. And with Futuristic Lights giving me five different purples, that makes me happy. Like, I, I'm happy to see that there's at least, you know, more than one that I can choose from. Or more than two. Because I don't even really count lavender as like a purple because it's like almost white sometimes to me. So being, that being said... Uh, you know, having more variations of purple to choose from is really, really huge. Uh, the, I will certainly say I do kind of miss the whole chromatic setup like Amazing Lights has that Futuristic Lights doesn't use. However, I totally understand what they're doing with it and I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, and it's really, really easy to follow the, the pamphlet in terms of the color selection. So don't worry about that. And of course, Number of combinations in astronomical. I don't. I don't even think we can actually equate that. I only was able to equate when you count the 38 colors and you don't even constitute a, a true brightness control into the mixture of that, and still came out with over 44 trillion different combinations. So, you know, things are being put into perspective for you, hopefully. Okay. Now, when it comes to the flashing patterns, I know a lot of people are like, well, I hate being mode locked. Let me talk about that in a little bit, but. You know, the flashing patterns, I actually really like how, I really like how Futuristic Lights actually explains to you in the pamphlet how these flashing patterns work. So, a great example I'm going to use is Dash Stops. When you read in the pamphlet, it will actually tell you the first color selected is going to be the dash. And every other c color selection after that is going to be a dot. Okay, I wish every company did this with their products okay the main reason is is because i want to know how my color selection affects the flashing pattern okay and it's really hard sometimes to actually figure out how it actually operates that way so with futuristic lights actually telling you how these flashing patterns work and how your color selection actually affects the flashing pattern in whatever way you're trying to do that is huge i I literally instantly fell in love with the dash stops flashing pattern. I instantly just, there's so many things you can do with that. There, uh, oh my gosh, there's, there's just so much you can do with it. I freaking love it. It is awesome. It's probably one of my favorite flashing patterns now. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just tops for me right now. I just, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's just a fantastic flashing pattern, especially how they have it set up on this, on this chip it is fantastic. Okay. So, you know, that's the thing though, is that all these flashing patterns on the ions are fantastic. You know, you have your four classical ones, it's the regular strobe, the dob, stroby, hyper strobe, those are your four classical ones. You know, and then you also have sandbox, which some people might consider that as like chroma, which I don't necessarily count that as chroma. It's similar, 
but how they have it configured in terms of the flashing pattern is very, 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 very different. Not only that, with how you have eight instead of seven, you can actually pull off more interesting strobe patterns with the sandbox feature on the ions as opposed to like the chroma. You know, now I'm not saying that the chroma can't do it, it's just how they have their configurations of the programming of those flashing patterns are. Okay, I personally think that the sandbox is probably better than the chroma, but that's just me. That's a personal opinion of mine. You know, if you disagree with me, that's totally fine. I will gladly accept your disagreement. You know, it's that's kind of one of the reasons why I've been doing this show. So, you know, we allow this to have this conversation. Okay. Now, of course, when it comes to these flashing patterns, you're able to replicate or even emulate certain old flashing patterns. Uh, I did a couple of classic testings that I always like doing, like the bit fourth mode. It's okay on Stroby. I would actually recommend doing it on the burst uh, mode just because it gets a little bit better. You know, especially if you add a little bit more blanks. Uh, I actually was able to pull it off. So. Uh, a good way if you're going to use the burst mode is I would go color, blank, color, and then fill the rest with blanks. Uh, you pretty much get the same kind of effect. It's a, you know, almost, it's almost there as kind of like the Stroby, but I felt like with Stroby there was too much of a spacing between, uh, between the two colors. They really didn't give it, give me that full effect that I like or what I'm used to, but that's totally fine. Not going to get into a huge amount of that. <clears throat> okay. Now, <clears throat> now we have color blending and this also accounts in true brightness control when it comes to color blending i will certainly tell you this right now there is one flashing pattern that i test when it comes to color blending and that is the standard strobe the main reason is is because that is basically our that is the standard of our lights that is the standard strobe that is the standard flashing pattern that is the standard configuration of our lights okay with that being said I use standard strobe as the way to test the color blending. Now what I mean by color blending is when you select a set amount of colors and you stick, you know, you put it on idle and it blends all the colors together. Okay. I was completely impressed by the amount of how well it was able to blend all the colors together. Uh, one of the things I would certainly say when it came to my testing, uh, when you add more colors, I was really concerned about seeing, uh, what I like to call the strobe stutter effect is when, you know, especially when you look at like older lights, you kind of like, it doesn't really blend. You kind of just see it, you know, strobe between the colors and it kind of gets that little glitchy effect is, it's kind of hard to explain, but that's kind of the idea. When it came to the ions though, I was completely taken aback because when you have it sitting, it, it blended it perfectly. Like it was almost a perfect blend. Like. When I did green, white, blue put together, it actually came out with this really light cyan. Uh, and I didn't really see that whole little stuttering effect. Now, I will certainly say you'll start getting that once you start changing your the true brightness control settings. And that's just because you're not doing a flat same level of brightness across. Now, if you're, if you're trying to test the color blend, uh, blending, you got to keep it all at the same consistency of brightness because that's where it is. You know, I, I've learned just from when you add different brightnesses and stuff, that's when you start getting that little stuttering effect. So when you're actually testing, you want to make sure that you're doing all at the same ones. And I've done it all at high, done it all at medium, and done it all at low. And it stayed very, very consistent through all the way through. I was very impressed by this. Okay. So definitely want to let you guys know about that. Uh, now, when it comes to certain flashing patterns, you know, like 
again, I will always refer to Hyperstrobe just because Hyperstrobe actually just takes a lot of brightness to actually work the way it needs to. You know, I didn't have any, I didn't see a whole lot of issues when it came to like the lower tints on, on Hyperstrobe. Uh, especially just because considering that it, you know, true brightness control instead of tint control, you know, it, it really made it a little bit more consistent to me. Uh, I'm not saying that, <clears throat> you know, tint control is worse. It's just from how manufacturers go about it, I feel like true brightness control is the, the better way. Again, that's my personal opinion. So definitely keep that in mind when it comes to actually testing your color blending and true brightness control settings and stuff like that. That when you when it comes to standard testing, you want to just use the standard strobe. It's the first mode, just use that one. It is that is basically anything you're going to use to base anything off of when it comes to the gloving art form in terms of flashing patterns is you always use the standard strobe. All right, very simple. Brightness is exceptionally bright. It's very consistent about 85% of the time. Uh, I noticed that once it actually really started getting low on battery life, it finally started sh showing some consistency issues, but that is totally fine. If 85% of the time of the battery life that you're using stays very consistent like that, that's totally fine. I will certainly tell you from my Chroma Controls review that it only lasts about 75% of the time before the consistency really started dramatically drop. Uh, when the consistency started to drop on the ions, it did not drop as dramatically. I will point that out right now. It still did its best to retain as much as it can. Now, I definitely want to express to you guys that uh, when you go to low battery life, about 20% battery life, you're not going to be able to use chip-to-chip -chip communication. It's just because it uses so much energy, once again, that if you do that, it's just going to drain your batteries right out at that point. So, that's for it. It will just ruin everything. So, just wanted to stress that to you guys. There is a drastic difference in terms of brightness when it comes to high and low settings. However, the colors to stay consistent, which is very important. Of course, with the battery life, depending on your configuration, whether it's your flashing patterns or your brightness settings or the color selections that you chose from and all that stuff, you get anywhere from 12 to 18 hours of battery life. Okay, uh, the Chroma controls, I was able to get consistently 14 hours, which is just as fine. 12 to 18 is just as fine. I know I don't see anyone ever having to glove nonstop for that amount of time, but if there is a universe or some alternate reality where that tends to happen, then there you go. Uh, I will certainly say that if you turn off the lights as much as you possibly can when you're in between shows and stuff, that's going to prolong your battery life. Of course, the e-lock feature is also going to prolong your battery life with, you know, not letting your lights turn on while they're sitting in your bag or somebody bumping into you or whatever the case may be. All right, here's the thing though, when it comes to immobility, I was completely stunned by this. And the reason is because I didn't really think, oh, all rubber casings, that should keep it in place. I was actually kind of hesitant on the all silicone casing. Uh, mostly just because, you know, I can sit there and put my fingers together with the light in between my fingers and kind of rub around and kind of feel it move around a little bit because it's, it's a rubber casing, you know, it's not a rigid system. However, when I put the lights on and kind of did my stress testing of immobility, now, just to let you guys know, my stress testing of immobility is I put the lights on with my cube diffusers on. It's just because I want to see with the added weight how well they can actually stay. I was shocked of how well they stayed in place. Not only that, but with the size of the ions being the way they are compared to like the original chroma controls, 
they don't have that much weight to them. I was actually shocked of how light, much more lightweight they are just by the battery size. Okay, now I know people are going to be like, well, yeah, it's because the battery has so much weight to it. And I definitely understand that. However, that even being said, like, you know, I've had some other Amazing Lights products that didn't really move around as much as, like, the Chroma Controls did. Like, my Oracles didn't move around that much when I was using Cube Diffusers. But... You know, with the ions though, especially with this casing, now I know that the atoms also kind of have the same feature, you know, kind of the same setup as well. So don't don't worry about that part. But I literally stress tested this thing. Like I literally went stand in my living room and was literally like flinging my arm as hard as I can. Like I almost I almost strained one of my muscles doing this because I wanted to see how much it could take before it actually flew off or a light moved from its position. I will certainly tell you once I actually kind of strained a little bit of my muscle doing that, that's when I actually noticed that the light started moving. So immobility is huge. I was completely shocked to see how well it was able to stay in place. I realized that the, the silicone casings are actually a really great idea and it really actually helps mold themselves to your fingers, especially if you use tight gloves like I do. You know, one of the major things though is that I, I really didn't, like when I was holding my chroma controls and my ions in my hand, kind of like doing a side by side uh, weight comparison, I didn't really feel much doing that way. But doing the side by side comparison and moving my hands around with the lights in them and stuff, yeah, you can definitely feel it. Like it was a drastic change. So actually just being really, really light in terms of its own weight really actually kind of lends to its immobility. I really didn't think weight was going to be so much of a huge factor to it, but I'm, I stand corrected. Weight is a major factor in terms of immobility. So keeping that in mind, if you are having somehow having issues with your ions moving around, I would recommend lightly filing the tops of your fingernails just so there's a level of friction for it to grab onto. So keeping that in mind, Here's probably one of the big things though, when it comes to the ion is its ease of use. Okay. One thing I definitely want to point out when it came, when it came to the ions or any non spectra hub style light, we have a limitation. We have a major, major limitation in terms of our interface. Okay. So talking about the interface here real quick. Uh, when I was talking to Zohar about, you know, programming and trying to make it easier and making it easier he wanted to develop a light that was as he put it self-contained so if you look at like again the spectras they're not necessarily self-contained in terms of their programming like yes they do have the traditional programming setup things like that but they also have a a third device to do programming as well and that's what they did not want to have for the ions so without having this third party device thing to do some of the programming with we are limited to one interface and that is the light bulb itself. So they, <laughs> they were super, super hard to make this as easy as possible to operate from the randomizer, from the chip to chip communication with the demo loop and the demo view. This light is probably in my opinion, one of the easiest lights to use. Okay. It, it really, it really is, it is extremely easy. And not only that, with the pamphlet literally breaking down how each flash pattern works and how each operation is, works and 
how you know all these different features that your light is able to do it literally having it being explained to you in the pamphlet itself I really don't even think you need this review. I would just tell you to go buy the ions and read the pamphlet very carefully. And there you go. You know how these lights work in full force. Like you know exactly how the, the flashing patterns work. You will know exactly how the, the, the randomizer and the chip to chip communication and all that stuff will work because it's all self-contained. Okay. So one of the big things though, when it came to that limitation is that it, they didn't want to bog it down with so many features. So, one major thing is being mode locked. I really don't think newcomers really need to worry about, uh, you know, placement of what flashing patterns and what order. Uh, you know, I feel like you're giving so many options to a newcomer, they're just gonna be, they're just gonna get stuck and they're just gonna sit there and be like, I have no idea what to do because there's so much to do. So bringing that limitation into this and mode locking the ion is a great step. Of course, I know there are some people out there that are like, I don't like being mode locked. I hate being mode locked. Don't worry. I'm one of those people. I like having my flashing patterns wherever which way I want. However, I'm the person who likes to advocate the idea that restriction breeds creativity. Okay. Working, just working with the Chroma control, uh, not the Chroma controls, but the Chroma 24s, when they were mode locked, I worked around that. I worked around being mode locked. I was able to recreate different flashing patterns on different modes that I was using. You know, granted, you know, flashing uh, hyperstrobe was like probably the hardest one to work around with just because of the flashing patterning itself. That's just how it is. However, that's that's something I felt was actually important when it comes to an introductory set like this. Okay, because the way I'm looking at it is that if a newcomer actually is like, well, I actually want to try to have this flashing pattern in this spot. How can I make this flashing pattern replicate that one? Okay. That's, that's the idea I'm hoping. And I actually talked to Zohar about that and he kind of agrees with me. This is the idea that he was hoping for is that people start edgy sitting down and thinking critically about their selections and how they program and how to work around the flashing pattern restrictions and things like that. You know, it is, again, it's, it's being the door, allowing the people to open it type deal. You know, we're giving, they're showing them the door and they're just opening it on their own. Okay. So I will certainly say the ease of use of the ions is probably the biggest defense defining feature of the ions because even i picked it up and yet granted i had a couple little hiccups here and there because kind of breezed through the uh, pamphlet and didn't understand chip to chip communication timers though so you know it's just one of those things <laughs> um you know so but even even then like i i figured it out within a matter of minutes you know it wasn't like uh you know i was stuck for two days and i had to go online to ask a bunch of people but I'm not saying that the people who do that is bad. I totally understand. Uh, you know, communication is huge and it, it's key in this community. So, you know, I'm always the type of person that if you feel like you need help on something, you can always ask me. I'm always willing to help, even if it's not, if you, even if it's a product I've never touched in, with my hands before. I will still try to help you out. Type deal. So, knowing that the ease of use is actually very geared to newcomers is actually very important to me because when i was talking to zohar about this this light was specifically made with the newcomer in mind however 
they packed it with enough features and things like that that even an enfranchised Glover such as myself who's going on to 10 years now can thoroughly enjoy this light and I certainly will tell you I enjoy these lights I certainly think they're probably one of those most interesting lights that are on the market especially for a newcomer and when it comes to this review that's what I kept in mind is that this is for the newcomer that this chip is for the newcomer okay so accuracy color accuracy is great through all the flashing patterns it stays extremely consistent and it stays extremely accurate through all the flashing patterns uh, especially if you look at the troop brightness control settings now I can certainly say when it came to DOPS DOPS is just how DOPS is when it comes to low uh, true brightness control settings that's just how it is but I did not have any issue actually seeing my low selected colors as opposed to like when I at least with the chroma controls I can't really say that about all of the amazing products but I can certainly say from the old iteration of the chroma controls that was a major thing uh, low setting or low tint settings on dots was never really working well for me I never was really able to see it but that being said it's it's just extremely accurate all the way through I'm very very happy to see that and just knowing the difference between true brightness control and tint control actually makes or breaks it in my opinion kind of deal and it really makes it in this case so size of course size there are nano size chips they use 1225 batteries it's very very it makes it very easy not to catch on them uh, I don't <laughs> if anyone out there especially if you've been you know joining the gloving community within the last I want to say four years I want to I kind of point this out uh, not a lot of you have tried gloving with nothing but uh, I know you know and from my experience that was kind of kind of difficult at times because when I do finger rolls my fingers are very close together so they tend to catch on each other uh, you know of course I have learned to adapt to like keep my fingers spread to do finger rolls and stuff like that but making them just small enough that even when you're doing your things that you don't catch on them very easily is huge and that was one of my big pet peeves a lot of the times is when my fingers would catch one of the lights when I was trying to do something and of course being a nano chip it makes it extremely lightweight I was I will certainly tell you this now if you're going to weigh out different lights to see which one's heavier that's fine I don't think that's actually necessary to actually figure out the weights I was going to try to weigh weigh these out but I couldn't find my scale because I don't know where it went <laughs> but it doesn't really matter I, I feel like if you're going to test the weights of your lights you, you just stick them in the gloves and you just fling your arm as hard as you can you know you do massive flails uh, in order to test this and I feel like that's where you're really going to uh, understand the weight of your lights and yeah nano i will certainly say if we're going to be moving into the nano chip territory with our lights i'm totally on board now and i will certainly say the ions is what convinced me to go to a smaller chip size i will still use my chroma controls i i will certainly say the size of the chroma controls are not the worst uh, i can certainly tell you from my own experience they are not the worst uh i've played with bigger lights on my fingers before so you know, uh, I've, I really think nano chips is pretty much where we should be heading to. It's just they make it so much easier. Okay. But yeah. So with all those points put out, what is my overall score of the ions? I will certainly tell you if I have to put a light on the pedestal as the one quintessential light to get anyone started in this art form, it would be the ions. 
it is a wonderful introductory set into the gloving world and you know it, it gives you everything you need to make it very very simple you know you got eight different flashing patterns you can choose from and you don't even have to choose colors or anything you, just, you know the, the chip does it for you and it makes it so much easier for the programming like i can certainly tell you for being somebody who used the chroma controls for as long as I have, I have grown. I grown accustomed to the programming setup. I grown accustomed of having to grab multiple lights and having to hold them together and program them each of them that way to uh, to make it easier on me and you know uh, save time. I don't think that we need to do that anymore <laughs> when it comes to either chip-to-chip -chip communication or even the Bluetooth communication that Amazing Lights is using with the hub even though they are they are also using chip to chip communication but that's beside the point okay to me just being somebody who's been doing this for so long and actually having something like the randomizer in chip to chip communication i will certainly say to all the newcomers who have joined the gloving community within recent years you people are extremely spoiled now okay I can tell you from starting in my gloving career, it was not that easy. You know, we didn't have programmers back then. You know, we didn't have any of that stuff. We had to, we had to buy the bulbs and clip them off and all that stuff. So I'm certainly telling you, all the newcomers that are coming in within the past like three years or so since the ions have been released, you guys have been extremely spoiled. And I'm totally okay with that. Like I, I still to this day, I I will say that these this is the best budget intro set to come out on the market. It gives you everything you need in one light, and it keeps itself self-contained. Now I'm not trying to knock on any other products. I'm just saying, if I put this in a vacuum and look at it just for its standpoint and what it offers to the community, this light does it all. Okay, it does everything not only for newcomers, but to enfranchise glovers such as like myself. You know, uh, just from all the reviews that people have said about it, the, the one thing that I will certainly say that the ions have over the chroma controls is its wide appeal, okay? Now I'm not saying that the chroma control doesn't have a wide appeal, they do. Uh, you know, a lot of newcomers who are very interested in, you know, the whole mode reordering thing feature that the chroma controls do have is great, but I will certainly say the ions, they just, they have such a much wider appeal, you know, cause I talk to people who've been doing it as long as I have. And they say that there's just something about the ions to them that they just thoroughly enjoy. And you know, the, the, the one word that even Zohar has told me that he's heard a billion times. And I've seen people talk about it a billion times is that these are just fun. They're fun to play with, they're fun to work with, everything like that. And if I actually had to give one word to the ION to epitomize what they are, it's that, it's that they're, they are fun. Um, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed playing with these and testing these out. I really, really have to thank the community for telling me to do this review because I really had no expectations going into this, uh, and especially when it came to futuristic lights. Uh, and that's just because I'm not trying to be ignorant. I, I'm trying, my approach to that is to try to stay as unbiased as possible because this isn't about the companies. This isn't about, you know, 
their their you know what kind of products and stuff like that and you know critiquing and talking about like oh their 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 manufacturing methods is flawed and blah 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 blah, blah. no this is just me talking about the lights and what the company puts out and what the company actually takes in consideration and what they find important okay now i'm not saying any of that when it becomes between fl and el and kek and all that stuff it's it's to me it's just i want to give you the most unbiased thorough explanation and review of each product so you can just look at the products for themselves and just be like that's what they are and go from there you know that you make your judgment call you can agree or disagree with me about these all you want and i'm totally fine with that but this is how i'm looking at it and yeah the ions to me are the, the best intro set is you know they're extremely budget friendly you know they're considered the best burner set amongst the community as much as i really <laughs> i really hope that the term burner set dies off with the whole idea that you know security keeps taking our gloves once we actually stop having that kind of problem i will be happy to never hear the, the term burner set ever again so yes overall i'm just gonna say it <clears throat> ions get a 10 out of 10 for me like the main reason why it gets such a huge score is because solely of its wide appeal to the community everybody who has ever played around with these with these lights always talk about them for you know days months even years after they've done it you know it's just it's <laughs> it's actually kind of crazy of how many people it's just it's so synonymous in our community now when it comes to the ions that i really don't think any i don't think any other light in terms of placement of the tier of what lights are doing i don't think anything comes close to the ions when it comes to an intro set you know uh if amazing lights had the chroma 24s but they kind of modified it so it's still like the chroma 24s maybe a couple other cut uh other colors maybe change up one flashing patterns here and there but having that mode lock intro set and making it cheap is huge and i really think that's where a lot of companies should actually consider going when it comes to having an intro glove set is that you just don't give them all this stuff really, really fast, you know, like give them really cool features, but keep it simple enough where they don't feel so overwhelmed. Because I can certainly tell you when even somebody who's in is in franchises, I am when I got my hands on the Chrome controls for the first time, I was kind of actually not. I wasn't stuck or flabbergasted by it, but I was kind of actually like at a, a point where I'm like, oh my God, what do I want to do with these? Like, what am I able to do? There's so much I can do. Well, what can I come up with? And you kind of going, I don't really know how to explain it, but it's that point where you know there's so much you can do, but nothing's coming to mind of what you can do uh, type deal. So definitely want <laughs> It's, it's something I feel like taking the mode reordering and stuff like that out of the equation to just make it easier for the newcomer to understand is huge. You know, and of course, making it very easy for them like with chip to chip communication and the randomizer and you know, the demo loop and the demo view and all that stuff is just fantastic. That's everything I, if I was a brand new Glover, this is all I want. Everything that the ION is offering is what I would want as a new Glover. Now, I know that might be a little bit drastic for some people to hear me say, but I can't really see any way to make this easier on a newcomer 
than with the current configuration that the ions offer. Okay. Yeah, sure. Maybe you have a mode reordering feature added into it and that'll be fine. I personally don't think it's needed. Um, I really don't think it's needed because only there's within our niche community, there's a smaller niche community of people like me who's like a phaser or have their own style archetype or, you know, they they have to have certain ways of certain flash patterns being certain orders for their their style to work. And I totally understand it. I'm that type of person that does that. However, I like when I get challenged. And I will certainly tell you that the ions did challenge me in a way that I didn't think they would. <clears throat> okay. So with the being mode locked was one big challenge that I always enjoy working around with because it's a very simple restriction that you can work around. Okay. Um, I thought it was gonna be really easy. It was actually a little bit harder uh, to actually do some stuff in terms of p color programming and stuff like that. Uh, and trying to replicate different flashing patterns on different flashing patterns in the mode law. But I still had a lot of fun. Um, you know, so I know a lot of people are gonna think it's crazy that I'm giving this such a high high praise, but it this <laughs> this is the epitome of how to introduce gloving to somebody, in my opinion, in terms of a light product. And I think I'm <laughs> I think I'm pretty much done gushing over the ions. I think I've done enough to explain everything about the ions and why they're so popular within the community. And the big thing to me is just the wide appeal. They're just so highly wide appealed to the community. I just, I really don't think there's gonna be another light that can actually top it in terms of appeal. But you never know. Uh, that's one of the things about futuristic lights I actually really, really like is that they're the, I don't wanna necessarily call them the pioneers of gloving. But when it comes to pushing the envelope in terms of breaking the light and breaking the light capabilities, Futuristic Lights is on a trajectory that makes me very, very excited to see what they come up with next. Now, I know there has been talk about another product that they're coming out with. I'm extremely excited to see what it is. I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm actually really, really hoping that Zohar will actually like send me a single copy of this light so I can actually have like a preview of it because that would be fantastic. Am I wishing in magical Christmas land? Yes, I am wishing in magical Christmas land for that to happen, but I would love it because that's one of the things I just love about gloving right now is the, the, the products that are coming out and me being able to test them and just seeing what where the lights have gone to since I started way back in early 2010. Just seeing where it's all gone to is just astounding. So <laughs> I'm very excited and I hope that will actually happen. But again, I know that's magical Christmas land. I'm not expecting it to happen. I wish it would, but you know, a man can dream type deal. <laughs> all right. So with that all being said, I hope you guys are still listening and not cut out and cut out early because there's one last thing I want to let you guys know. Uh, <laughs> I am actually going to be giving away these ions. Uh, as much as I praised and gushed and adore these lights and how much I love these lights and how, how great they are, I got to give them away. And the main reason is, is because I don't think it's fair for somebody like me who has the opportunity to have different light products and be able to test them and enjoy them as much as I do. My philosophy as a Glover is to always give back to the community, uh, always to give somebody the opportunity uh, to enjoy this art without having to pay an arm and a leg. 
you know, um, <clears throat> when I've introduced people to gloving, I always gave them my old pair of lights. Now, <laughs> I can certainly tell you that there are two chipsets that I regret doing that to, and that's my Bits and my Oracles. Those are the two that I, I kind of regret doing that to, but at the same time, when I introduce somebody into it and they really want to get into it, I don't want them having to shove out a bunch of money just so they can get into it. I would rather just give them something I'm not using anymore and let them enjoy that. Okay, so I'm going to host a giveaway. It is very, 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 very simple to get into this. Okay, so first thing you're going to need to do to enter this giveaway contest is to like the page. And then you need to like the original post on my page of this episode. So that way I know you guys are doing that. Okay. And then the third and final thing that I would want you guys to do is to tell me what my dog's name is. Now I know I'm pretty sure a couple of episodes I've said his name a couple of times. However, I will give you guys three clues so you guys will know it's very simple to figure out my dog's name once I give you these clues. Uh, so please keep in mind that I know I don't want you guys having to scour through all my episodes because I have 52 freaking episodes you're going to have to start scouring through. So I'm going to give you these three clues to help you. Okay. So clue number one, my dog's name starts with a P as in Peter, like just like me. His name starts with a P as well. The second clue is from... His name comes from a Chris O'Donnell movie. And the third clue is a very famous quote from the movie. All for one and one for all. Okay. Those are your three clues. His name starts with a P. It's from a Chris O'Donnell movie. And the phrase all for one and one for all is in the movie. Okay. I'm pretty sure you guys can figure it out from there. Is I don't, I don't. I don't see how you can mess this up with those three clues, okay? Especially the last clue. Like, the last clue is, like, the biggest dead giveaway of what his name's supposed to be, okay? So, <clears throat> once again, you want to like the page, like the original post, and then you can either message me or email me. Do not comment. For the love of God, do not comment the answer, but message me or email me the answer. That way, I will know if you actually got it right or not. Now, I'm not... In entirely sure when exactly I'm going to close this off. I think I want to give myself a good two weeks to do so. Uh, I definitely want to make sure that I want to select a winner by, <clears throat> uh, I definitely want to select a winner by the 14th of December. Uh, that way I can have plenty of time to actually get that stuff packed up and mailed out to you. So that way whoever wins this giveaway contest will actually have it by the time Christmas is around the corner. Uh, I was thinking of waiting until about New Year's, but I don't think that's, uh, I don't really want to do that. I don't want people waiting until New Year's to start the New Year with their gloves. I would rather have them start their, their Christmas celebration with it. Okay. So once this episode posts, you pretty much have till December 14th to do those three things like the page, like the original post, and then message or email me my dog's name. Okay. So. Once again, I would like to thank everybody who's been listening to the uh, to the show so far. I can't tell you how amazing it is to see how far I've gone in just a little over a year. I'm up to 190 likes on the page, so I'm 10 likes away from the next Ask Me Anything live stream. I'm totally excited for doing that again. But 
definitely want to let you guys know there are various outlets you can hit me up at. Of course, I do have my Facebook page, which is aptly named The Clubbing Paradigm. I have also have, I'm also found on Reddit under the username MuttonChopGuy. And of course, I do have an email, which is MuttonChopGuy at gmail.com. And of course, I do have a Discord server that you can definitely head up at. The link to that will be in this episode's description. Uh, if you want to use Discord to tell me the answer, you can get on Discord, get onto the group, onto the group server, look for me. I'm also a mutton chop guy on Discord. And you can send me a personal message that way as well. If it makes it easier for you, do it that way. Uh, just do not comment his name on the post. Just, you know, keep it to yourself and just either message me on Facebook or email it to me or get me on Discord. Like those... Those are the three best places to keep it private. I don't want people to, you know, I don't want it given away so easily. So, you know, but that's pretty much it for my episode. I know this went really, really long. And <laughs> I can certainly tell you that I'm cramming this in on the day of the episode it's supposed to be posted because I had a crazy ass weekend. Uh, I... <laughs> I had to literally drop everything and drive six hours out to Vegas because my husband was meeting up with a really, really old Navy friend that he hasn't seen in like 12 years. And there was no way in hell I was going to miss this opportunity to meet somebody from that part of his life that I never really got a whole lot of info on. So uh, it was probably one of the best weekends that was spontaneous I've ever had and it was a lot of fun. So I'm cramming this all in on the day that this episode is supposed to be posted. So, you know. It's just, just how it is. It's how it's going to be. <laughs> Alright, so once again, thank you guys so much for listening. You guys are absolutely amazing. I love you guys. I'm your host, Peter, a.k.a. LPD8 Dubuque, and I'll see you guys all next week. <laughs>